going on here someone let some monks in oh wait that means it's time for the trappist episode it's a history focused episode so someone gave justin access to the dock which means it's going to be a long one so buckle up grab a drink knock yourself in the head and have a drink Have a drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. <laughs> and I'm Casey Price. <laughs> sorry, that one was building and I held it back just for like half a second so I could I could do that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize to anyone that was grossed out. No, you know what? That's I just that's thought it timing. would be funny. They know what they know what they're getting into. That was one of the best intros I think we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um Oh my gosh, uh, real quick, right out of the bat, or out of the gate, out of the bat, what the hell? <laughs> Next at bat. <laughs> Next at bat. Sammy Sosa. Uh, we want to give a big thank you to the Ritual Misery podcast, and you guys need to go check them out, but we've been working with them, and uh, we've been doing videos for their weekly shindig, and it's just, it's stuff that we don't talk about on here, so you gotta go check out these reviews that we're doing for them, uh, they're just a little mini segments but we really encourage you to go check them out anyway. Uh, pretty big, uh, pretty nice geeky podcast. So definitely mm-hmm. go check that out. And always good guests. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it's like they're they're great people. It's a lot of fun to listen to them. Uh, it's been them's getting good people. <laughs> them's good people. <laughs> As we likes to say, them's good people. Jeez. And uh, yeah, so make sure to check out um, the latest video uh, on their their latest episode. Is Bob himself uh, talking about the Trappist beer? So uh, hi guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so it's been we're we're in the middle of the holiday shopping season, and my bank account has been absolutely decimated mm-hmm. from holiday shopping for myself and for actual presents because oh my gosh! Uh, so if you didn't check out our video episode from last week, I uh, chronicled my epic search for uh, founders CBS. And that was not all I've come across in the past few weeks. Uh, we also had Friday. Was it Friday? Yeah, it was Friday. I uh, got some barrel age tin fitty from Oscar Blues. And uh, today, when we went to pick up beers for this episode, uh, we're just wandering around. I was like, well, let, let me do a lap of the floor, see if, see if anything else has popped up. 
Sure enough, I uh, get to the back, and they have uh, they do not have the base uh, Deschutes the Abyss out yet for 2017, but they did have the variants already. So mm. uh, be on the lookout for those. Uh, you have Tequila Barrel Aged and Rum Barrel Aged. Guess which one I'm excited for. Um, I'm betting it's not the one that uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman dances to. <laughs> you are correct, sir. Indeed. Tequila. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what, what's everyone else been into? Uh, episode work. I've been doing a lot of reading on uh, oh yeah, on on Trappist things. Uh, by the way, just gonna go ahead and plug that right now. Uh, if you want to know more about actually how to make clones of Trappist beer, or if you want to know, you know, just some general information about them, and uh, you want someone who writes better than me, uh, <laughs> go pick up uh, uh, Brew Like a Monk. Uh, it's the primary source I used for this episode, plus some scattering websites and, you know, but that's that's where the core of my stuff came from this time. Which I believe we actually, uh, back at Nerdtacular, gave away an autographed copy of that. To, it was autograph, not by us, autographed by the offer. Yeah. Uh, offer. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want to decrease the value, yeah, we want no. to raise the value. <laughs> it would be burned if we had. Nope. <laughs> Uh, what was Bruno like a monk? Let me think who that Stan Hieronymus. Ooh, big, big name. He, he's a yeah. big hops guy too. So yeah. Oh yeah. And he, there's, there's some, uh, there's a moment where if you're big into beer, you're going to know a name that pops up some in there, at least in the very first few chapters about a famous beer reviewer. Uh, it's going to say Michael Jackson, <laughs> the beer guy, <laughs> yeah. not the dead yeah. Yeah, the dead musician. You have to be like, well, pause. That Michael Jackson's dead as well. So both Michael Jacksons yeah, are, are are deceased at this. All point. All the Michael life. Jacksons are dead now. <laughs> so okay, real quick before Casey gets into what he's been into, that just reminded me we were playing Secret Hitler last night, and we yeah. almost had a team of or team. Uh, it almost turned out that you had three people named Chris Walker as the fascists. Yeah, which was pretty funny. All, all three of the Chris Walkers that we know are there. Well, they were, we were missing one. I think they, there's still one that we. And that Ian missed. assassinated me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how! I've never actually played Secret Hitler. It's something I like. I need to play, but have not gotten a chance to. I watched because I knew I would be bad at that. Like I'm so bad at the ones where you have to guess who people are and like do all that kind of if, spy crap. <laughs> if you want to watch people like your closest friends descend into conspiracy theories about <laughs> other friends and why they're doing absolutely everything, it's fantastic. It's almost it's like more of a devious version of of werewolf. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, it is in the fact that everyone immediately when they raise their head go, Ian's Hitler. <laughs> That was definitely a thing that happened. Uh, we, we picked up a new, I guess it would be a board game at this point, um, called Bedpans and Broomsticks. Bedpans? Nice. <laughs> and I, I picked it up because whenever I was looking at the reviews online, I saw four point, like 4.5. And I thought that was 4.5 out of 5. Turns oh. out it was 4.5 out of 10 <laughs> because it's the most horrendous rule book you have ever seen. Oh, my god! There are sentences that have plenty of typos but typos aren't what really like you read the entire book and then you go back and you say how do you play this again like <laughs> it's not long it's maybe a, a 10 page rule book but it says you know you've got to place your tokens but then it never tells you where to place your tokens and mm. it, it's the worst rule book ever after you decipher what you think they meant 
It's actually a pretty fun game, but up until that point, it is the worst to try to get into. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> See, we, we got lucky because somebody started reading the, the rules for Secret Hitler, but then we were like, wait, let's just look up like if somebody explains it better. There's a video oh, yeah. from Secret Hitler of Will Wheaton explaining how to play the game, and we were like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Much better. All right. Um, is that kind of all we were all getting into there? I want to give it a quick update on our homebrew. So, oh yeah, uh, yeah, I've burned through just about all of it. That yeah, we took it last night to the party. <laughs> oh cool, yeah. <laughs> so the first few bit times I had it, it was I mean it was just brown ale-ish. I was like, there's no mm-hmm. vanilla. The smoke is not coming out in this. I was like, we we screwed something up somewhere. We screwed this pooch. <laughs> but the final keg that you had filled for me, I don't know if that was the bottom of the barrel. But all the flavor was rocking in that. Like, I poured one out. It was, I was really good. I was like, we're just going to get through this. And I poured one for Aaron. I poured one for myself. And then I took a big swig of it. And I was like, oh, my God. There it is. We're in flavor country. <laughs> we were in flavor country. It was just like the light got brighter. I was like, oh, it's magical. Like, the vanilla was so strong. It and, om- it, like, the smoke was actually in it. I was like, this is what I wanted. It almost tasted That's- like a winter warmer, which was fine. Strong. Could be. Strong like bull. <laughs> I'm guessing that's because we're, you know, the kegs get near the bottom mm. and maybe a bunch of it settled. I, I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, because yeah. that's, I mean, there's still probably a gallon and a half left in that keg. So that, I don't know. That growler was also really good, too. It had the, the thing, the pressure, like, um, yeah. it was like sealed oh, really I, well. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when I, when Casey sent me mine, uh, or, well, I left Casey's with mine taped up nothing like didn't even budge mm. <laughs> i popped that thing open to drink for that brown ale episode and i was like Shh. well this is gonna be a good night <laughs> yeah all right um, all right this is gonna be a long us. one so let's let's move on to enough about us yeah. yeah um so we did want to say the next live video uh tasting episode will be saturday december 16th and we're going to be covering the Sammy Adams Winter Classics Pack for 2017. Oh, yeah. Always a good one. Every year. Because it's the only way we get our old Fezziwig. Yeah. Yeah, we're a little biased going in because we, we've had it before. The one beer that you can only ever get in that pack is old Fezziwig Ale. Um, I love it. I feel like I don't think I've had old Fezziwig. I, I'm huh. not certain anymore. Well, you'll get to this Saturday. Um, well. <laughs> uh, the live audio episode after that will be Saturday, December 23rd. And that is holiday spiced drinks. Wait, 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 wait. People drink during the holidays? <laughs> yes, things like eggnog and um, mulled well, cider. I've been lied to my entire life. <laughs> I need to have words to my parents. Indeed. <laughs> well, yeah, probably for various reasons. Some people drink but... every day of the year. <laughs> oh. uh, so we did want to remind you that um, live video or this uh, kind of audio only you can catch us uh, doing this stuff every Saturday at 9 p.m. Eastern time on twitch.tv slash have a drink show. Same Woo. drunk time, <laughs> same drunk channel. Indeed. <laughs> okay, uh, let's roll into We have a lot of this, so let's get into the news. Uh. So this is actually something uh, we had talked about we wanted to start seeing, and lo and behold, here it is. Salt Lake City's Epic Brewing Company is once again expanding beyond its Utah roots, purchasing Telegraph <laughs> Good, because those roots are tiny. Yeah. yeah. The, the, they, they almost disowned the Salt Lake tap room. They're like, no, just go to Denver. <laughs> uh, but uh, they have purchased Telegraph Brewing Company in Santa Barbara, California. 
Uh, we've been actively looking for great breweries to purchase for the past 18 months, and bringing Telegraph Brewing into the Epic family is exciting, said co-founder David Cole. Uh, they announced that Wednesday on the brewery's website, this couldn't have been a better fit, including some advantageous distribution overlaps that create opportunities to expand both brands across California and beyond. Uh, Brian Thompson, who founded Telegraph Brewing Company in 2006, said that the increased competition in the craft beer business, he needed a way to strengthen his company. Uh, the infusion of money from Epic will allow Telegraph to increase production capacity and offer new packaging options, including several new 12-ounce cans. It's not the first time Epic has expanded beyond Utah. In 2013, the microbrewery opened a second location in Denver, probably their best decision ever. Yeah. As part of the Telegraph purchase, Epic will move seven of its fooders, large wooden vessels for aging sour beer, from its Denver brewery to Santa Barbara, enabling Telegraph wow. to produce more sour beers. That is probably the biggest news out of all of this, because if, you, if you've been to the Denver location for Epic, those fooders are big and in your face like that is like the distinct thing because with a wonderful it's, smell it's in the tap room like they are right up against the barrier so you're hanging out with the fooders which is fooders amazing yeah, yeah 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 they're not they small, small. No, 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 no 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 so uh, yeah this is exactly what we were talking about before in the buyouts that we'd like to see some of these bigger craft brewers when the smaller guys like when they're considering selling out or they need a cash infusion to start doing this. Like, this is really has me excited so, because New Belgium was doing it. Now we have Epic getting in on this game. Like, it's it's just awesome to see them teaming up like this. So, I kind of want to play devil's advocate, and I'm just like, I mean, part of me feels a little sad that, that any brewery has to get bought out. It's like, you know, I want everyone to succeed, but that's not realistic, and it can't be a thing. So, yeah. you know, I guess they didn't sell to the devil. Yeah, yeah. Like, it could have been a different buyout entirely. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Really just been a, it's a win-win for them. So, yay. Yeah. I'm yeah, not and hugely familiar with Telegraph. No. But something well, tells maybe... me this will get it to where I might become more familiar with them. Yeah, that's that's the key, I think. We'll we'll start to get probably more Telegraph as they um increase their production capacity. Uh, quick, yeah, another no, another aside. Me, I was doing some some research on the Telegraph. Uh, it was made by uh, Samuel Morris and oh, wrong Telegraph, wrong Telegraph. Oh, okay. Uh, this one has something about news stories and oh, still wrong. <laughs> All right, never mind. Let's move on. All right, uh, our next story. This one, I don't know. Okay, this is like a wishy-washy gray area of a story. Uh, Fatheads Brewery in Portland is severing ties with Ohio, becoming a new independent brewery. Portland will no longer have a Fatheads Brewery. Fatheads in Ohio announced late last night that they would close their Mammoth Portland Brew Pub in the Pearl, uh, effective the first quarter of 2018. The announcement was first noted locally by beer blogger someone someone. Despite the best efforts of both sides, uh, we were unable to agree upon a vision for the future. As a result, we've mutually decided to close the Fatheads Brewery location in 2018, pouring our last beer in 2018. However, that release from Fatheads tells less than half of the story. Fatheads was never quite a chain operation in Portland, but rather a local spinoff owned by Portlander Tom Cook. The Pearl District Brew Pub will not close, 
Rather, it's severing ties with fatheads in Ohio and embarking on a new life as a wholly independent brewery called Von Ebert. Uh, Cook says he's inviting every single employee to stay on in Portland, including head brewer Eric Van Tassel and former Commons brewer Sean Burke. Shouldn't have been Van Hassel. Should have been Van Siegel. (laughs) See, no, it says Van Tassel, and that's immediately I was going to uh, Sleepy Hollow. That's what I thought. (laughs) Oh, see, I was going with Von Ebert and uh, Von Siskel and Von Ebert. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I went. Um, Anyway. (laughs) Anyway. So apparently, uh, the whole staff at that Fathead location have not been happy with. Fathead's uh, motif and I won't say quality but they they were not fans of what Fathead's wanted out of that location quality of the local beer will stay but when it transitions uh, to Von Ebert the massive Pearl Brewery will be able to shed its encourages in Portland Fathead's decor that oh, we just des- yeah the, uh, they described it in, uh, in another blog entry uh, like an outlet mall version of TGI Fridays. Every surface of this crowded pretzel and burger barn is branded with a cartoon of what appears to be a morbidly obese Charlie Chaplin. That's not fair. Charlie Chaplin had a full head of hair. (laughs) This oafish branding uh, couldn't be more at odds with the Portland aesthetic. So I Uh, do have to agree with them on this. Uh, because when we went out there, we got to go to the Fathead's location there. And, yeah, you walk in, and it it's like Fathead's opened up a TGI Fridays or an Applebee's. Mm-hmm. You I was going to say, like, is, that, is it like the Fathead Sizzler? Yeah, it, it's just bad. The food's all, like, mediocre, standard pub fare, and you're just like, eh. I mean, it's an amazing brewery. It's huge. And the beers were all great, but the atmosphere is not there. And, I don't know, I guess uh, that's part of... When they close and reopen, they're going to completely revamp. Uh, the new pub will have an industrial loft feel and will serve elevated pub fare from stone-baked pub pizzas to German-style pretzels. Uh, Cook also promises a more adventurous beer list spanning American, German, Belgian, and barrel-aged beers. Cook says the transition will be as seamless as possible. And it's not adventurous at all. <laughs> That's like yeah. the standards that you have to That's do. like, oh, I'm going to make beers from... Germany, Belgium, and America. Screw you. I want beers from Mozambique. That's a that's a freaking adventure. Well, you got to think. More adventurous. That just yeah. means one or two additional. Yeah. Uh, not the most adventurous. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, a couple of things to think of when we were there um, and what we'd figured out when talking to a rep at a festival, Brittany had had a smoked bock. When we were at that location, smoked ale. Was it just smoked ale? Mm-hmm. Okay. It, was, it was like a just a regular. Uh, I want to say pale ale, but I don't think it was pale ale. But it, yeah, it was just regular ale, and it was uh, smoked, and it was delicious. Yeah, and we talked to a rep at a festival. And we're like, why can't we get this? We've never seen it around here at anything, and that's kind of when we started to learn how it works. And he said, it's a completely separate entity on the west coast, and they don't have access to it over here. So I guess that, this that still just doesn't make any it's sense weird. to me. Yeah. Well, like, well, I just do an I, episode. I, I, yeah, eventually we. I just, just wondering why, like, they don't have like, you know, share the recipe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it's. Um, I wonder what's going to happen to distribution because of that. I, I don't know if they were canning and bottling out of that location. Mm. 
So I don't know if suddenly the West Coast is going to lose all of the fatheads that they were getting. Like that Maybe. could that could hurt the brand massively to lose that. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that would that would suck. But at the same time, like if they it would hurt the brand in Portland uh, and around, I guess, because they can't get it anymore. But I don't know. Like it, odds are they can't distribute out there anyway without having that place. So whatever. Yeah. All right, um, let's move on to the final story here. Could someone tell me real quick, what the hell is Dilly Dilly? Apparently, I, I live under a rock. I have no effing clue. We don't have Look, cable. Chris, you and me can sit here and yell about uh, the kids today and their baggity pants and their hippity hop. And getting off our lawn. Uh, I only, like, I only knew what this was after some guys at work kept saying it. And I was like, the F is this? And they said it was from a Budweiser commercial. And I was like, oh, okay, we don't have cable. (laughs) Dilly. Dilly. I I don't know. Like, they'll just say it and, like, leave the room. I'm like, okay. Okay, well, uh, Anheuser-Busch InBev is notorious for the litigious nature. The brewing giant has served numerous cease and desist letters from everyone from wineries, coffee roasteries, to craft breweries. This week, AB served a new cease and desist, desist letter. Uh, this time to Modest Brewery in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Instead of using legal correspondence, Anheuser-Busch had a little fun with it. Dilly dilly, the nonsensical catchphrase that has swept the nation. I, I had never, I've never heard it till this week. I mean, this look, is this is old man, old man Walker. Act, you old, can't actually sweep the nation anymore. We don't all watch the same four channels. So, yeah. so I'm it, like, I'm I'm hip. I'm with it. I'm on the Reddits. I see the things when they happen. I've never heard this. We're not mainstream, apparently. We are the hipsters we hate, remember. <laughs> that look, I spent most of my 20s coming to terms with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, Chris, if you're wondering, I quickly watched the video on YouTube, and uh, it's there in a medieval setting. Actually, it looks more like a Renaissance setting with a medieval castle, but whatever. We'll get into a historical argument about that later. Uh, They walk forward. Someone hands to his lord or king a bottle of Budweiser. He says, dilly dilly, as a form of cheers. And then they all say, dilly dilly. And they just keep saying that for 15 seconds. Sure. All right. Well, things make a little more sense then. Uh, It also now explains why they had the town crier for this thing. Yeah, okay, so the nonsensical catchphrase that has swept the nation thanks to the latest Bud Light commercial spoken by a king in a medieval setting. Think of it like the Was Up commercial starting in the 90s. Uh, Modest Uh. Brewing Company saw Dilly Dilly as a name for their Mosaic Imperial IPA. That caught the eye of Budweiser's attorneys. Instead of a simple cease and desist letter, uh, Bud got creative. As the beer tapped on December 1st, uh, enter a medieval scribe who... It wouldn't be a scribe. The, no. <laughs> he would be a town crier. Yeah, a scribe would... doesn't speak. He, write... he writes. <sighs> <laughs> Calm down. Uh, the season desist letter from an actual scroll asking that Dilly Dilly be a limited edition release, then offered two tickets to the 2018 Super Bowl. Where's the end of that quote? Oh, oh in the, the article, article, it doesn't end. Uh, yeah, it's not very well written. I no, saw some other is... stuff that was wrong, too. <laughs> there is an opening quotation yeah. that never ends. Okay, this is from it's Beer a, Street Journal. It's and a, it's are a they block on the, quote. Are they on the cutoff? 
list. Oh, wait, I think no, they mind. might be on the the, the list of like ABM Bev owns part of them. Oh, who knows? I can't remember. Uh, anyway, the way so this is written, I doubt it. They actually had a town crier walk in on the grand tapping. <laughs> yeah, if they were of partially beer. owned. I don't think they would have much of a problem with it. Here, we yeah. can uh, play. Yeah, with... let's go ahead. Someone was obviously there to record it. It's not the best audio, but let's go ahead and take a listen at the town crier walking into the brewery. Distracted from how hard of a jerk off motion I was making. <laughs> the the so, pit of misery, otherwise known as the factory where the beer is made. No, no, what got me was this is by order of the king. Yeah, which the hurts a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> king of beers. <sighs> rumble, rumble. Muffin yeah, and we overthrew office. the king. Their role is purely symbolic, and uh, our, our parliament <laughs> runs everything. All right. I'm okay with this analogy now. So, <laughs> where do you all fall on this about. Not what they were trying to accomplish, but what this is doing to the community. So what they did is they gave uh, two tickets to the 2018 Super Bowl to the company to do with as they pleased. And they have the scroll, which is even like torched on the edges to make it look all old. And uh, the company took the scroll, framed it, and had it hung in their brewery. And they are accepting the tickets to the Super Bowl. And they say it's all in good fun, and they're gonna quit. They're gonna rename the beer to uh, Coattails. And yeah, so what do we think? Is this ABMBF trying to, you know, soften everyone up towards them, make everyone, hey, look, they're one of us, or is it just them trying to have some fun and not be the giant evil thing in the room? I don't know if they can ever not be the giant evil thing in the room, but giant evil thing things in the room may want to have fun too. So I'm of two minds. I still don't think it's fun. They had a catchphrase on a commercial, and so then that causes them to like, did they trademark this? Like, I, they're they're giving a cease and desist to somebody who has a beer that happens to be named after some random commercial of theirs. It just well, seems it dumb. Happen to be odds are that. This being apparently a thing that's spreading around. They had all the proper copyrights and trademarks or whatever they need. I'm like, sure. You can't breathe this phrase without them being able to come in and go, hey. You I mean, us. us saying it right now is probably giving them some amount of money. I don't know how, but. <laughs> we get a cease and desist on uh, actually putting it on YouTube. <laughs> it just, I, I, I mean, yeah, they're having fun with it. They could have done something. They could have just been normal jerks like they are, but. 
I, the whole thing just seems kind of dumb to me. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, and, and the yeah. brewery wasn't all you know butthurt about it either. They were just like, yeah, we'll change the name, whatever. <laughs> so it, like, it's I don't fine. Think anybody was going to confuse no the dilly dilly ip double ipa with mosaic with, with a, a Bud budweiser product and if they did budweiser would come out on top in that confusion i mean yeah i don't know it, it, the whole thing was just a little over like i i, I don't know <laughs> the the other thing is the super bowl tickets i'm like does that, does that feel slightly like bribery exactly oh yeah yeah you know, <laughs> for a contract to be for a contract to be um, valid, you have to get both people have to give consideration. And so if they come in and, and said, you know, if you accept these Super Bowl tickets, then you you forgo your your future rights to basically um, that may have been the letter attached to the back of this that they got in. <laughs> right. Uh, you accept these or by a certified mail. Yeah. Uh, you accept these tickets. You you here for pronounce the name dilly dilly and uh agree not to be murdered in the back of your like in your home in front of your children yeah pretty much and so that may be i'm pretty uh, that that sounds like boilerplate language for for ab and and bev and ab and bev has plenty of these tickets because they they are the sponsor of yeah the super bowl so (laughs) they probably give those things out like to you know the bottler on the line like here have a couple yeah. I can't make it. You want to go? <laughs> Pretty much. I don't know what one of the executives is doing uh, you know, near a bottler on the line, but you know, I don't know their lives. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yeah. You've got your their company that's heavy into manufacturing. So I'm sure the execs are um making tours on the uh on the line all the time and, and checking it's and seeing true. how things are going. Um, they're making lists, they're checking it twice. Mm-hmm. They realize they've all been naughty and not nice. <laughs> I know this is a long episode. Did you all get the advertisement to the right for the the left hand brewery? I wanted to bring yeah, that I up. Yeah, I did. I wanted to talk about. I knew that everyone so was just eyeing that <laughs> instead of this story. So, uh, a chai milk stout nitro from Left Hand. Oh yeah. Oh, oh baby, <laughs> give me some of that. It'll be a big bottle too. Looks like the label's a thirteen point six five ounce or so. See, that's well, the real news. How, I'm just saying they know how to add. They know how to send their advertisements to us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, reminded for honorable mention story before we close out news that uh, we didn't do a full piece on this because all the details are not yet known, but Avery Brewing has sold to San Miguel mm. for, I believe mm-hmm. it's a 30% stake went. So, yeah. Okay, that's enough to make them non- not, yeah. not craft. They're in the Founders Club now. And Man. apparently, <laughs> upon selling, their uh, their head brewers and people on the top had very uh judge judgy uh not nice things to say about the brewers association and the term craft beer okay i'm glad i, I'm glad I, I haven't been buying avery's products <laughs> yeah I'm, i under i understand their their issue with that because you know five percent i think it is or ten percent is the difference between them being craft and not being craft but you know don't be snippy about it yeah I mean, there are other breweries, like, they could have just... It's 25%, right? You have to be less than 25% owned um, by anyone other 20 or 25, I, I don't recall yeah. exactly. You just had to cut the percentage by, like, 5 or how 6%. Much is, how much is Sam Adams owned by someone else? Uh, None. 
I know. I'm just joking. Like when, like when I try to find the rules for craft, I just go, "All right, whatever Sam Adams is, they're they're allowed to be craft." Hmm. All right. Dude, well, it used to be six six million barrels, um, and less than twenty five percent is owned by a controlling interest. They have to be small, six million barrels, and their main beers have to be flavor. Or they they have to be um, made with traditional ingredients, which means no rice, no corn, hmm. that sort of thing. Okay. And we can talk about more about that maybe later when yeah. we get more details. We'll have but... to scoot this along, though, and talk about some shameful untapped. Get riggedy, so riggedy, All right. I uh, thought I had it. I sh- thought I had it. Show, show of hands, for- who got Imperial Czar, who leveled it up? Anybody? Anybody? I'm one beer away. <laughs> Not You're good enough. than the rest of us. Not good enough. No, I'm, no, no I, I didn't even try. I forgot it said different oh yeah yeah that's and i expected and so i just picked up because i knew i needed like two so i grabbed a six pack of old rasputin because a sure it's good and two uh, yeah fuck, i'm sat brannigan now uh b <laughs> it's uh <laughs> uh b i was like okay yeah i can get this done different ah yeah, yeah, that's kind of what hit me. So I was going to a big beer release and figured there would be tons of Russian Imperial Stouts. There usually are all those things. People yeah. are just running in with them from, like, as soon as you get a beer poured, someone comes down the line with another one. Oh, is this Russian Imperial Stout? Uh, no, that was cold. not the case. It's the time of year it should be around. Oh, yeah. That was not the case. So we were at that release, and people are coming down the line with some of the most insane beers, none of them Russian They're, they're barrel-aged or they're sours. That's what everything was, it seemed. Mm. No, yeah, it's, no Russian anywhere. No no Ruskies. It's, it's, not, it's not the new hotness anymore, so. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So uh, no one got got the badge. Uh, so close! I'm like mad. <laughs> I realized like as we were rec- as we were starting the intro that I didn't get it, and I'm like, "All right, just you just reach in the back, find the gun." And <laughs> so, what do you, I, I put it to you all? Okay, I've picked the last two, and they've been turds. No one's got them. <clears throat> someone someone set the bar a little lower. I'm apparently like reaching on this bar. Um... Not sure. What's what's let's let's look at potential untapped badges. <laughs> well, what I mean, am if you I wanted to go episode? What one, am I close to? <laughs> you could do Trappist Travesty. Oh, if you really wanted to do that way, you could start that since that is. This, I won't this be episode. I won't be getting any more Trappist beers though, because what's the next episode? You should aim for the next one. Uh, next one's not beer. Yeah, <laughs> next one's. Doing really well, guys. Let's do trap. Maybe we should Wait, try to do Trappist Travesty. What's the main the main that's thing? A, There's a difficult two... one because you you really have to buy the bottles. Let's let's go to like some Wait, more basic ones. There's here. two box in the Sam Adams pack. We could go. I'll be Bach. Bach? I'll, I'll be Bach. Bach. Okay, well we'll uh, work. I'll be Bach. Does that, does that sound good to everybody? I might be. A, well, uh, let's maybe. Yeah, maybe. we'll see. Maybe, maybe we'll probably fail, but we could. Okay. <laughs> We'll say I'll be Bach, so if you want to watch uh, wow, our next Saturday's video box. episode and drink along with us, you can get to towards this badge. Is it five different? You can succeed and judge us when when we fail. Exactly. Is it five different boxes? I will be sans, sans beer either way. So, Well, maybe I can get it through Christmas. 
Casey is, uh, you're trying to... Low carb. So I'll be going off of low carb for Christmas itself. So maybe I can get a few bucks during that time. It will time be the same in. week. Well, no, it won't be the same How week. How do you not have carbs at Christmas? All right. Oh, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I'm oh, making until. Christmas. Yeah, yes. that's, that's, it's like an impossible to... Everyone's know, just like, that. it's Christmas, forget it. All Christmas and New Year's. Home. Those are my two cheat days. And then, um, that's about yeah, right, yeah. otherwise we're back that's on good. it. So uh, real quick, Steaks while we're talking... every night. <laughs> while we're talking on tap. Well, that, that was tonight was New York Strip. Um, oh, sous vide New York Strip, medium rare. I hate you. <laughs> that just makes me want to watch the Modern Rogue episode. I just had a sad, bland salad. Yeah. So um, we can talk about the most popular beers over Thanksgiving. So anyone want to take a stab what the uh, the number one number one beer is over Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving. Uh, that checks into Untapped because my first guess would have been like Bud Light. No, yeah. uh, that is number twelve. Number twelve on the list. Okay. Um, number one Thanksgiving beer. I'm going to guess that it was no, couldn't have been. Uh, did, does this count the day after Thanksgiving? It, it's during the Thanksgiving season. Oh, okay. So there so is days before, is, days then after. Then who uh, <laughs> is uh, the Bourbon County st- uh, on there? Ding 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 ding! Number one, the, Bourbon uh, County brand, it and stout. then drinking it. Okay. So, uh, it's on there a couple of times, actually. So, number one is the base. Number six is the Northwoods Stout variant they did. And number nine is the Coffee Stout for Bourbon County. Uh, number two, anyone? what was the runner-up? Come on, runner-up. Most, runner up. Second most checked-in uh, to beer during the Thanksgiving season. Uh, um, this was released during that time. Yeah. Was it a dogfish uh, head? It's not dogfish heads worldwide stout. Not enough people buying that. No. They're monsters no. for not. They are. <laughs> this one uh, uh, appears on the list a few times, actually. Uh, the brewery does. The brewery does. You know, I'm gonna go base. I'm gonna go basic. Try to appeal to as many as I can. It's not gonna be right, but New Belgium Fat Tire. Nope, not right. Close. Okay. Um, Close. How about something with founders? Also close, but no. Uh, I'll go ahead and help you here for time's sake. Uh, that is going to be the Celebration Ale from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Okay. Uh, we'll go ahead and round out the top five here. Number three was Samuel Adams Winter Lager. Number four was Liquid mm. Truth Serum from Dogfish Head. Ah. Number ah. five was Breakfast Stout from Founders Brewing Company. Okay. You know, I was wondering if they would make the list that high up. So that's why I was kind of afraid to mention it, but... Yeah, yeah the, I haven't had truth serum yet, so yeah, I'm you know I, oh, I, I don't want to commit to a six pack of it, so it's waiting to find a single bottle somewhere. We didn't mention it in news, but wasn't there like founders news this week? That will be coming up in later episodes. Oh, <laughs> never mind. There was a lot of news, but similar okay. to that news, I was surprised to see Backwoods Bastard only at sixteen on this list because this is I, its release window as well. I've I, I've I've been waiting for a friend to get back from Thailand so I can break into the bomber of backwoods bastard and the uh my my special bourbon county reserve so he can try some of it like like because like i brought over one time like rogues double cream stout to our game night and he was like this is amazing and i'm like i'm gonna hop on my magic carpet we're gonna show you a whole new world <laughs> a whole new world all right uh with that in mind let's take a little trip now to the Abbey. Been on that truck. Cheeky bastards. Been on that truck. Been on that truck. Been on that truck. 
It occurs to me that we should have definitely found something else for the like to theme the episode. I mean, I was about to go like, may- I might be. Um, yeah. All right. So we are talking about Trappist today. I wanted to start off this episode with uh, an apology because I'm me. Uh, but basically, this is not an exhaustive discussion on Trappist. This is not everything about their history. You could write multiple books on on the Trappist monasteries and beers, uh, and they have. So I can't fit it all into one episode. Hmm. Uh we can probably do whole episodes on individual Trappist breweries. And we probably will at some point because we need episodes. Uh, <laughs> content. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, I, I wanted to give basically a starting point for general Trappist knowledge. What they are, where they come from, you know, how they do that thing they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... If you do know some about it, hopefully I found some little fact that maybe you didn't know. If not, look, I'm a moron, okay? That's the best I can go with. Uh, so, that said, we'll go ahead and start talking about the Trappist uh, Trappist beers. To start off with, what is a Trappist? It's a monk. It's a Trappist. The Trappist! <laughs> Uh, Trappist beers come from a monastic order of Catholic monks and nuns. wasn't aware they were Trappist nuns until I started doing this. Uh, and they're they're known as the Order of Cisterians Cisterians of Strict Observance. There you go. Uh, it is one of many monastic orders that came over the years uh, since the rule of Saint Benedict uh, <laughs> many centuries ago. Uh, following the ideas and uh, precepts set down by St. Benedict in the 6th century uh, Catholic monks uh, believe broadly uh, they should focus on three things peace, work, and prayer Uh, everything they should do should strive to that there are dozens of sub-rules in the rule of St. Benedict didn't want to get into that Mm. uh so anyway, this monk, uh, uh, monks of different orders interpret some of these precepts in different ways. Some will focus on manual labor, while others would focus on preservation of works. It's one of the reasons why we have a lot of information of Roman times, because monks copied stuff down in the Middle Ages. Uh, and uh, other activities, in the, uh, it was all sort of to, to get to this idea of a simpler life to get closer to God. Uh, the Trappist grew out of the order of the Chris word again. Cistercian. Cistercian. Okay, I didn't know how close I was when I tried it before. It looks like Cistercian. Uh, they uh, they started out as a reform order uh, around the 1660s, uh, thinking that uh, the Cistercians had become too liberal. Uh. They wanted to get closer to the true essence of the rule of St. Benedict uh, and decided to be almost vegetarian. They wouldn't eat anything with four legs. Fish was fine, but but basically no meat. So they were some uh, old and, world hipsters. Well, and they also had a much stricter interpretation. There was a, uh, 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 the interpretation of lack of speech that St. Benedict encouraged. 
it's not quite a vow of silence where they never speak, but they 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 would not indulge in unnecessary talking. They uh, many orders, uh, the Trappist included, uh, developed sign languages to minimize talking so they could focus on their studies. That's laxed a lot since then. They don't actually teach the sign language that much anymore. Named for the La Trappe Abbey in Normandy, uh, the reform movement slowly gained enough steam and uh, other abbeys started to follow along with them uh, or form uh, out of inspiration from what they did. Uh, eventually, enough monks uh, sort of broke away from the Caesarians in uh, 1892. So, not a fast movement. <laughs> Uh, they didn't mean to completely abandon the church, so they weren't like going, we're not even Catholic anymore, guys, we're out. No, they uh, petitioned the Pope to allow them to form their own separate order. Hmm. Hmm. All right, so how the beers started. Uh, Perhaps their restrictive diet, plus the need to produce some sort of good to help the uh, monastery, caused one of these early monasteries to begin brewing beer. Uh, Making heartier brews was a way to help supplement their diets and help them through the day. The monks were not, however, getting lit every day as a whole. I can't speak for individual monks. (laughs) As moderation and controlling oneself is a large component of being a monk. Yeah, that is one of the things that uh, when you first start getting into beer, a lot of people will talk about the history of it. And they're like, oh, yeah, it was their liquid bread. And, yeah, you you can get a lot of minerals. It's still to this day... uh, what uh after exerting yourself like a sports event or something they say that you know a beer can actually help you almost more than a gatorade because it's pumped full of so many minerals and other things they they also didn't make like they made heavier beer uh for themselves they didn't necessarily make higher alcohol beer yeah for yeah, themselves they made a beer that would have what they needed in it like to supplement their diets yeah Uh, The rule of St. Benedict calls for them to do work with their hands, so monks generally craft something to sell in order to pay for upkeep on the monastery. Trappists, being no exception to that, make a great number of things, from cheese to clothing, even coffins, but beer is where they shined. Uh, Trappist cheeses are amazing, by the way. I think Chimay does cheese as well. During research, I heard cheese, and I was like, I need this. I wonder if they have that at Jungle Gems. That'd be nice. Have a Trappist cheese, and they very well might, now that you just said that. I know where <laughs> I am going tomorrow. Uh, no, no. Right, I'll, I'll meet you there. To the car. <laughs> <Da-da-da-da>. <laughs> the Trappists were by no means the first brewing monks. Uh, there have been brewing for centuries, probably predating Charlemagne. Wow. Well, <laughs> a lot of things predate I'm, Charlemagne. Monks brewing yeah. predates Charlemagne. Uh, monks were the forefront of brewing for centuries, and outside uh, of medieval home brews, they were... Oh, I can't even imagine that. <laughs> they were likely the only source for reliable beer for the people. There's so you can only imagine everywhere. That. <laughs> okay, well, true. True. That's that's always my complaint at Renaissance festivals, is it's not covered in poop. Yeah. Uh, but that's how most people would get beer. Uh, if you decided to, you know, hang out in a monastery, despite whether or not you were a monk, they would go here, have some beer. There were as many as 600 monastic breweries in Europe, which would serve uh, a guide for commercial brews later in centuries uh, in their distribution and production. Yeah, that 
I don't know. Do we get into it later about how that's where uh, Reinhardt's Kaboot pretty much came from? Uh, not exactly, but the 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 idea that that yeah, this is where you know, not necessarily a three tiered system, but you know. <laughs> So, what are these beers that they're brewing? Um, what set the Trappist apart was the quality of their beer and the nomenclature they established to help describe them. Here's where you find the double, triple, and quad styles. The term double and triple both come from the Trappist naming conventions. So, you have your Belgian double. The Belgian double is a dark amber-colored ale that blends toasty malt flavors with spicy, dark, fruity yeast notes. The bitterness and hop flavor take a backseat to the malt, however, which often suggests hints of caramel and chocolate, and the yeast assertive character. Double grain bills often consist of nothing more than just Belgian Pilsner malt and caramelized sugar syrup and other dark, unrefined sugars. Um, this is very characteristic in the fact that they're high-ish alcohol with a 6.0 to a 7.6% ABV, 15 to 25 IBUs, so relatively low-ish on the IBU level. And right now, standard... all I'm, when I think of dark, unrefined sugars, all I'm thinking of is just monks tossing brown sugar into vats, going, brown sugar, why do you this? <laughs> uh, that's a very similar, that's kind of a very similar type of sugar that they would, they would have, well, it's molasses on the outside, but either way, it, you're using um, sugars that have been darkened through the uh, the process of you know cooking them a long time, and that's what we actually added in on our brown ale. Whenever some of the uh, flavors hadn't hit exact, or some of the numbers hadn't hit exactly where I needed them to be, we added in a little bit of that extra dark candy sugar in order. Yeah, to I was say at uh, Westvalian or Westmaller, uh, we're one of the first ones to start going. You know what, candied sugars. That's what we're using. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it adds that adds a little bit of flavor, but it also adds alcohol, which is I mean something that was always uh, I think liked uh, whether you were a monk or or somebody fr- that buying these from the the monastery. Um, the next style is the Belgian triple, and so if you were looking at the double it, with six to seven and a half percent ABV, the triple goes from seven and a half to nine point five, so it's definitely a bumped up alcohol version. Um, it's a Deep yellow color, though. So it's usually actually lighter in color than... It's almost always lighter in color than the double is. Um, It showcases the marriage of a spicy, fruity alcohol flavors that are supported by soft, rounded, grainy, sweet malt impressions. Occasionally with a very light honey note. Um, Triples can be very strong, but it's deceptively so. With that high alcohol content uh, masked by the flavor character and a high level of effervescence so these are quite um quite uh bubbly beers um again ibus on this batch are 20 to 40 so still relatively low yeah the the triple i remember the first time you were trying to explain to me uh doubles triples and quads and because we had a little taster flight all right let's let's try this out oh (laughs) okay and, and um, then something something about horse blanket flavors and and weird cloves stuff. start getting mentioned, and then I, I passed out. I don't remember what happened after that. He mentioned uh, esters and phenols. <laughs> exactly. 
Um, if you ever do get the chance, I highly suggest sitting down at a, a good bar. Our our local that actually has all these on tap all the time is the uh, Hopcat that we talk about. But those those breweries are located throughout the or not breweries. Those tap rooms are located throughout the U.S. So you actually can find um, places that have all three on tap at the same time. In addition to that, if you're doing something at home just for yourself, Chimay specifically usually has a red, white, and blue pack that is basically all three of these types of beers that you would be looking at. And so you can go and try that red, white, and blue pack. You most of the time get a uh, free piece of glassware. Well, not free. It's included with the purchase. Right, uh, right, right. Piece of glassware. All I'm thinking right now is like you buy that and you just go to a checkout and you just go, uh, all right, is that all for you? USA. USA. <laughs> the, USA. The depending on the size of the bottles that you get in there too, those packs can be quite expensive. I, I've seen them with these small bottles. Um, I think they're like thirteen ounce bottles, something like that. And those are eleven or thirteen. Um, and those are in like the thirty dollar range for three, basically regular bottles of beer. Um, and then you can get like for the fifty to sixty dollar range, the large um, party sized uh, bombers. Yeah, so you can share with others. But I mean, like thirty bucks for three, twelve what like let's say twelve ounce bottles that are imported and very distinct, and then you get you usually get the free glass or quote unquote free glass. Right. Um, so that, I don't think that's too awful, actually. Whereas there was the uh, as we were purchasing today the barrel aged Chimay that oh was up on the shelf for we over fifty dollars. Wait, wait, there's a barrel aged Chimay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, fifty dollars. <sighs> Um, all right, a sure. Big you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's too Americanized for me. Uh, <laughs> these should be very traditional in my opinion, but that's just me. Mm. It was there. Get some of that in a bit. <laughs> uh, so next up, after your double, your triple, there's the third beer that's kind of come on to the scene a little bit later. Um, this wasn't necessarily something that was named by the the monks the but it's called the quad now or the quadruple most of the times you're just going to hear it as quad it's also named the belgian dark strong Mm. um this style can be likened to maybe a stronger double in its simple grain build but yet it still retains that complex malt character uh with the deceptive alcohol strength of a triple added in there so don't let the name fool you The, the term dark is meant much more as uh, much more dark than anything similar to like a golden color. Um, so it doesn't have to be super dark. It's actually sort of somewhere in between that uh, that same range that you would see for the double. Um, the, the strength is increased higher than the triple. You've got the color about the same as a double. Um, brewers oftentimes refer to Belgian dark strongs and Belgian quads as one and the same. Authentic Trappist versions tend to be drier though. Belgians would actually say this means it's more digestible. Um, Abbey versions, however, so versions other than... Abbey versions are brewed in the sense that they are trying to mimic what the Trappists are doing. Um, it's it's like they, they're they made, but not... Like being not quite part of that, that elite clique. I would liken it to the difference between sparkling wine and champagne. Yeah. Champagne. Champagne. Um, where the Trappist would be something that's protected by law, being from specific uh, individual brewers for, that follow specific rules. Abbey is much more of a general term. Uh, I think a traditional brewery uh, or a traditional um, monastery can be an abbey without without following these rules. 
um, if they wanted to brew their own beer. Um, it can be rather sweet with some of these other uh, Abbey versions. Um, it's more full-bodied. Traditionally, yeah, bottle-conditioned versions are are simply known by their strength or color designation. So um, in most of these beers, you'll see, like, uh, I think it's Latrap goes by a 6, 8, and 10. Uh, um, the 10 I, I would could, be... I could have put a whole section in here from Brulek a Monk where they talked about the old Belgian way they classified stuff with, like, their degrees and... Like their attenuation numbers, I was like, oh. We saw that. Sorry. We saw that at the store when we were getting them. It was uh It was the um, oh, however you say it, the Rockford. Rockford. Yep, that's it. That that, that one the, has the numbers. Like, on Man, it. I wish I had Casey before I did that ritual misery thing. <laughs> yeah, I was like the one <laughs> I, that I, yeah. I hadn't got a chance to listen to the most recent one, but I have to imagine Kent going, pleb. He wasn't actually on that. Episode, <laughs> Kent wasn't on that episode, so, so you oh. were spared that. Yeah. Thank God. I don't have to feel like a fool in front of him. Here's a, I know we're going to talk, have have later episodes, but just giving you an idea of how specialized and how, how crazy it is that they do it this way. Um, Rockford is their entire brewery um, has only about 15 monks. Uh, They have 15 monks total. They have six ish. That, that brew. work in the brewery. Yeah. Mm. So I and, thought uh, part of it was that um, to be uh, an official Trappist, the monks either did the brewing or oversaw the brewing. So they did not yes. have to be the ones brewing. They can have employees who are not monks doing the brewing. Well, there's been a monk shortage in recent decades. So <laughs> yeah. uh, um, that's, and that's part of it. That's another thing we'll talk about, I think, toward the end of it, is some of the rules there. there there's an organization... Um, that certifies that this is an authentic Trappist product. It's a, help me out here, it's a six-sided. Hexagon? Hexagon, so six-sided. Oh, the the, the Trappist logo. Yeah, Yeah. so that's sort of like the the craft certification. Yeah, it's the the, the, the craft beer logo for Trappist. It's authentic Trappist product in a little... Two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's a, a octagon, actually. I think. No, no, it's a hexagon. It just turns slightly. Oh. Gotcha. So um, that's one of the ways that you can kind of see that either a cheese or a, a beer or a liquor or whatever um, comes from that specific uh, group of monasteries. So the quad um, is going to come in at a higher ABV, so eight to twelve percent IBUs at twenty to thirty-five. None of these are actually large IBU beers. They're all they are fairly... they are large for the time when they were coming because lately we you know everyone's got the the you know raging Ooh, whatever Lord. yeah yeah for as as hoppy and as as boozy as you can make it, but. Yeah. Yep. Um, now these, all three of these beers are kind of sold outside of the breweries, outside of the Trappist uh, breweries, and so you can get these throughout the world. You can get these, and that's one of the crazy things: six brewers make a beer that you can basically go into any state and find it in the U.S. half a world away, uh, which oh. I think is absolutely crazy. Man, Liquor Barn has actually a fairly solid selection of uh, Trappist. Uh, Trappist beers, yeah. Like you're going through there, and like just a whole like twenty foot long section. 
yeah, is all for just Trappist Ab- Trappist beers, Abbey Ales, and and things yeah. close to them. And I'm like, this is actually a solid selection of like I, I was. The more I did research this, the more I was like, I'm actually impressed. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I like so Orval's one of those that I like to actually anywhere I go, I try to search and find if there's one because it actually changes over time. It's a really weird way it, it interacts. So um, I try to find it in different liquor stores that I go to because it's not picked up all the time. It's pretty much readily available. But if you can find them a couple of years old already, you don't have to wait around for that change to happen and you can go ahead and try it. I think it's pretty cool. Um, it even says the date, the, the when they were packaged on the, on the bottle itself. I was excited. Uh, I considered it for my beer for this episode because Sierra Nevada, aren't they working with Orval now and doing some like real weird stuff? Yeah, I think so. Um, they've got some some bombers that they send out that have that sort of uh, collaboration, I guess you could call it. Yeah. But it's, it's something like that. Um, the last beer that we're going to talk about here specifically is a beer that you usually almost always you can't get this away from the brewery itself and trappist brewers have traditionally brewed beer that was special to that brewery never packaged only sold at the cafe that is on premise God, now the reason i that... want one day to have enough money to go tour hmm. trappist oh. uh, kent yes. has been to almost all of them <laughs> oh i know and jelly and I can't explain how jelly I am. <laughs> I well, go with peanut butter. I'm so jelly. <laughs> I would, yeah, I would love it. Would be the lifelong trip to do like a Belgian. All right, Casey, uh, we're getting tour. bicycles, and we're just going through saying. Belgium, the Netherlands. You, you let me keep up with this, uh, this whole uh, low carb thing, and and I may be able to make that. <laughs> um. So, so beyond you can go to these breweries and get something that's very special. And it's something that traditionally was made basically just for the monks. They sold these other beers out to make money. And, and so they could do great outreach and, and provide for the poor and do things um, that were associated with their faith. But they have these additional beers that help them get through the day while they can still do their prayers. They can still do their, their daily chores and uh, not get wasty pants. You don't want riggedy <laughs> or <rips>. wasty frocks. <laughs> um, so the, these these were called pastor beers, and and now we call them singles. And actually, the style has changed a little bit because these breweries are starting to serve them to patrons. They've actually started making these beers something very special that you only get there, and they've actually changed the way they make them. So it's not just exactly what the monks would drink. This is something a little bit closer to. Uh, you've heard about these Trappist beers. You're coming and, and finding something special at that brewery, and these beers are more bumped up in flavor than what that you would have normally seen in the past. So the BJCP actually takes this into account, and the version that is listed in their guidelines is this newer version that started about 99, went 1999, because we're talking about yeah. <laughs> yeah. Important, actually. 600 years of history here. So 1999. Yeah. Um, and they started making these at West, West Vleteren, and these beers were actually replacing some of the older low-gravity beers that they were making. So you you see these, and they're sort of like that German Pilsner with that higher, um, higher, uh, higher bitterness, but they're a Belgian yeast style. They'll still use the same house yeast. They'll just be a little bit hoppier because 
we're tending more toward more hops in our beers. And so that's what they're kind of pushing towards. These are still only about 4.8 to 6% ABV. So there's something akin to American beer with just more flavor. Um, and they're 24 to 45 IBUs. Again, a light color with those. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I mentioned it a little bit, but um, Abbey Ales. Uh, the term doesn't refer to single style or family of beer, but it refers to beers similar to Trappist beers that don't bear that official moniker. So uh, these are much more common and, and tend to share in that uh, bigger beer flavor that many Trappist beers embody. The largest example of this is uh, Lefe. Uh, most Belgian Abbey ales do need to have a link to existing or former abbeys, pay royalties for charities, or protect cultural heritage of an abbey and allow the Abbey to control the advertising material. So that was actually interesting to learn. Yeah, because when we were out shopping, it was the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, we need a Trappist beer. I was like, there are quite a few about. And then, no, no, there are not. Yeah. No, there's a specific number about, but spoilers. (laughs) So who owns Lefe? Uh, that one is owned by uh, Anheuser-Busch, I believe, or is it Heineken? Yes, yes yep. it is. It's owned by AB InBev. AB InBev really? and Heineken have uh, two of the largest uh, uh, Abbey Ales for, uh, the, of that ilk. The devil, uh, you it, say. It isn't, um, it's uh, a beer we can all name. Is, uh, is Stella supposed to be close-ish to one of these? I don't know. Huh, Stella, isn't that more of a Pilsner? Stella. It, uh, so Stella blah, blah, blah. is mentioned in Brew Like a Monk, but I don't remember if it's because. Oh, how... it's a Belgian style. It's a Belgian okay, style. That's Belgian. So that's like it's it. I don't know if it's, it was. I don't think it was an Abbey but I think it was. It's trying to be an attempt at that style. Okay. Uh, but mm-hmm. I I can't be a hundred percent certain. I've been drinking. Fair. <laughs> All right. Um, well, going back to the uh, the Trappists, uh, how we how we basically got there. Um, the end of the 18th century was a tumultuous time for all monasteries in Europe. In 1790, as the French Revolution was in full swing, and one of the measures enacted by the fledgling government passed laws to suppress the church and particularly the monasteries and confiscated their property. Uh, in defense of the French, the church had a wildly disproportionate amount of tax-free land and the money and power that went with it, but caused, um, but it caused monks to flee their abbeys nonetheless. I mean, what... I can get into a whole thing about the, the number of estates in France just before the French Revolution and how the church had like 25% of the land and had about 2% of the population. Mm. But, you know, that's not the kind of show we are. <laughs> We're not hard Have a history. Your politics yeah. out of this. That's not a that, that's not a politics thing. That's a historical they thing. They are two hundred years old. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, one one group of Trappists uh, intended to travel to America, but instead settled at West Mall. Question mark. Uh, set up a monastery there. The mass man. Ac- can you just imagine what would have been? Yeah. Had they settled that in America, been very sooner. interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Our our Catholic population may have. Uh, Oh, yeah. We may have had a, a Catholic-Protestant war prior to the Civil War. Well, yeah. I mean, barring that, they'd have been in Maryland. <laughs> oh. Okay. Maryland was 
opened up as a, a, a yeah well as a a free as a religiously tolerant christian colony so as long as you were a christian you got in yep so catholics had a stronger presence there than in other states of the original 13 colonies sorry i'm dropping a whole lot more history in this episode than i thought i was going to be uh it's all good um we're learning a lot uh so this this mass exodus led to some traveling uh, as far as russia before settling on traveling back closer to france germany and belgium around the 1830s the monks began brewing again at their monasteries it was during this time that beer started being produced from places like West Mall Chimay and West Flitterin. West Flitterin. Monks would begin leaving some of these monasteries to set up other monasteries and begin brewing or begin new brewing traditions. These would. What's come What's to really be... neat is some of them start at one place, the monks break off, set up their own abbey, and then make their own beer. And so, like. I think West Vletteren or West Mall were some of the first ones. And then like Chimay and Orval grew out of out of those abbeys. So there's, there's this weird net you can make for how they interweave. And it's neat. So does that mean it was there like some kind of uh, political scandal or something where people were stealing uh, yeast samples? possibly <laughs> no so they just stole was... magic wands yeah that i mean that that may have been a little bit more uh, uh, if they were 1830s when did louis pasteur come about later in say he was around 1850s yeah it's a little bit later but they so... wouldn't have been purposely taking the samples but if they had taken equipment that would have the yeast on it yeah so oh man there's just a whole lot of neat with that that we don't have time to get into. So moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving on to today, sort of. Uh, I mean, let me look. So 1822, he was born. 1895, he passed. And his experiments Somewhere in the between, were, he gave us pasture. Somewhere, somewhere in between. So I would uh, assume that it took a while for even the I, I'd assume 50, to get out. I'd assume like 40s to 50s and then time for stuff to get pre- i mean the printing press had been invented so news got traveled at a faster rate than it had been previously anyway uh back to 56, travis 56 57 was about okay. the time so yeah uh we're gonna jump ahead uh, a few decades um and talk about what happened in the 20th century for trappists uh as war took europe in uh, 1914 the trappist monasteries did not have a good run of it uh, many monks were had to abandon their monasteries and return, uh, and returned to find uh, that the Germans had broken down and repurposed their equipment because there was a lot of copper there, Ooh. and uh, every bit of metal can help the war movement. Only West Vlederlin, uh Brewery managed to keep their copper vessels only because they weren't under German control. <laughs> so where is where uh, are they located? I don't how recall, they, but they may they have been. In a weird, I'm not. I'm not 100 percent sure. Is it one of those strange things like they were positioned up on a mountain so that they were able to just sit up there and be quiet and not? Maybe. I, again, I'm not 100 percent on this one. Uh, so uh, after the war, however, the, the monasteries uh, made a change. Uh, some started, and then the rest would start to follow, uh, and they began to sell their beer directly to the public instead of just guests to the monastery. So. Previously, one of the ways you could get some of this beer was to go visit, uh, either join or, you know, just 
visit the monastery and contemplate, you know, everything, I guess. Uh, so it, it makes no sense why they were spared because they are literally right in between Dunkirk and uh, Dunkirk Brussels World. and then Dunkirk and Paris. Like the two. Oh. Dunkirk is uh, World War. Was that? Uh, World two? War Two. Oh, okay. That makes sense. They may have been just just north of the the Schlieffen sweep, but they were in fact spared. I have multiple sources for this one. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and the West Vladeran Twelve is now considered one the best beer in the world, which is interesting. Yeah. That the the one that actually got to keep its equipment has yeah. the best beer. Uh, the beer these monasteries made uh, was becoming more and more synonymous with the monks. Uh, and they and many began to start trademarking the names around this time. It was uh, when it's around this time that the Belgians started outlawing uh, bars and pubs from selling spirits, uh, which led to uh, an increased demand for the bigger beer of the Trappists because people want to get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guiding point in all civilization. People had to get riggedy wrecked. There's a war on. <laughs> <laughs> Even if there's not a war, like this is actually post-war, they gotta do their their little dance and their flapper dresses and whatever the men wore. Uh, eventually, some Trappist abbots started to move away from the image of them as being merely brewer monks, uh, and they began to sort of subcontract out the brewing process. And uh, 1946, West Vlederen contracted out uh, contracted others to brew under the Saint Sixtus name. Uh, and the person they did uh, eventually became St. Bernardus. Mm. Oh. They, they did that until 1992. Huh. Interesting. Uh, so, St. Bernardus, next to all the stuff that is all the, the Trappist I was going to say, whatever. that's what, uh, when we were going down, Brittany was like, oh, St. Bernardus, let's go with that. And I was, and I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. And then I had to stop and go, wait a second. <laughs> They're not Trappist, technically. Uh, so several of the Trappist monasteries started uh, bringing in uh, non-monk brewers to help them with their uh, with their products uh, while overseeing the whole operation. And it's fun to imagine a bunch of silent monks making the beer the same way as they always have for centuries over and over. Uh, but in reality, they've updated the production means and their brew houses uh, many times over the years, and uh, they they did it to keep up with their competitors. No, don't you lie to me. They're still doing it in giant clay vats. Don't you dare lie to me. <laughs> no, uh, in fact, um, the How to Brew Like a Monk is a bit old, but it does mention uh, like how excited some of them were like to get new equipment in. Like, <laughs> oh, Hence why giant. six can brew a world supply. Yeah, that's... Oh man, I I would love to go to some of the monasteries and see the brewing facilities they have. Like that would just I don't know, get to, to meet some monks that are that excited about brewing. That would just be absolutely amazing. Some it, it varies depending on the monastery. Some monks are very into the whole brewing aspect of it. Uh sometimes they're just sort of an overseeing manager and they come in, they hire uh laymen in the actual use of the word. To uh, to do the work for them, and there's like and, it pays around, the bills. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say, and they're sitting there going, eh, "It pays the bills." <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, around the beginning of the the twentieth uh, century and into it a bit, 
the English style elves had started gaining in popularity, the Trappist monks had to find a way to distinguish themselves and Belgian beer in general, especially in Belgium. Uh, so this is when they actually started cranking up their ABV uh, to make them stand out a little bit more. And uh, it certainly helped, uh, but it wasn't easy for them to still stand out in that market. In addition, uh, copycat breweries started uh, coming up with similar beers to their style. Uh, and this does go to show that no matter which era you in, you can't, you can't make beer without getting a few lawsuits. <laughs> uh, eventually, a court in Ghent uh, ruled that only Trappist monasteries could call their beer Trappists. Uh, they even have a logo now showing that they are from the International Trappist Association. And uh, if it is not approved by this association, it is not Trappist. Yeah, that kind of led to, uh, what was it? It wasn't until 2005? Is that when we got the first U.S. one? The only U.S.? Uh, the only oh, U.S. one. Recent. Well. No, no, 2000. It's only two years ago, Casey. Which one? Oh, 2005. Sorry. I, I, my brain heard 15. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's not been that long since the Abbey was founded. It may have been that long before they got uh, uh, officially. I, I know that I was, you know, looking at history and realizing what was happening when they were petitioning for, for the I Abbey. remember, so I have not been a member of the uh, Homebrewers Association since 2005. Um, probably, I don't know, 2013, something like that, 14. And I remember the issue that Homebrewers Magazine wrote an article about this brewery um, starting up when it was just getting started and only had like one beer to offer. I mean, again, that may have been from when the they started brewing as opposed yeah. to when the Trappist Monastery itself was founded. Yeah, yeah, I might be thinking about when the monastery was founded. All because right. not all Trappist Monasteries are breweries. Yeah. Right. Uh, so today, today Trappist monks continue to brew their products and continue to be ran by the Trappist monks. Obviously, selling mass amounts of beer is difficult to reconcile with their vow of poverty. So outside the costs of brewing and monastery upkeep, most of the proceeds go to donated charities. Uh, they do try to keep up, keep the beers close to their original recipes, but some changes do get made as the years go on. There are rigorous panels before any permanent change is implemented to compare the flavor and make sure it stays true to the spirit of the beer. There aren't enough monks to handle all the demand, so non-monks are brought in to help brew for the abbeys, but ultimately the monks are the ones in charge. And uh, there there was a thing I, I remember in the, the How to Brew Like a Monk, they described like when they had to change like from... Uh, I can't remember exactly which thing it was, but it's like either part of their their malt build or something like that, or or just changing, updating the format slightly. Uh, the they spent like five years in panels, just taste testing stuff. Oh wow! To to make sure, like, okay, it didn't change that much. It's, it's within the margin of what we think is acceptable. So yes, we can continue calling this our beer. We can we can go ahead now with this process now that you've done the initial legwork to see if this would work. Uh, and um, it's not in here, but Chris, did you want to talk about exactly what qualifies it as a Trappist uh, Trappist brewery? Okay, uh, so from the International Trappist Association recognized breweries, uh, they say 
The beer must be brewed within the walls of a Trappist monastery, either by the monks themselves or under their supervision. Uh, the brewery must be of secondary implements uh, within the monastery, and it should witness to the business practices proper to monastic way of life. And lastly, okay, oh, I was saying they have a they have a saying in there that they are abbeys that have breweries, not breweries that are also abbeys. Yes, mm. and uh, the brewery is not intended to be a profit making venture. The income covers the living expenses of the monks and the maintenance of the buildings and grounds. Whatever remains is donated to charity for social work and to help persons in need. So this leads me to believe that that Scottish uh, monastery that makes basically the Scottish version of Four Loco is not a Trappist <laughs> recognized. Probably not. I can't imagine the phrase Scottish version of Four Loco being a Trappist. <laughs> it's made in an abbey. It is made by monks. It is obviously not recognized by the Trappist Association. But yeah. yes, uh, there was a nice news article that I wanted to bring up on the show and didn't get to about it was what was it, it was like fast. It was like two thirds of all uh, of anyone incarcerated in Scotland admit to drinking this beverage, and it's like a third of people who go before a judge try to blame whatever they did on drinking this stuff. And the monks are like, hey, we're not responsible for whatever these people do while they're drinking it. All right, then. It's tonic wine. <laughs> yeah. 15%. Did you look it up? more caffeine by volume than a Red Bull. Yeah. Nuts. That is not <laughs> necessary. It is not legal in this country. God. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, um, we alluded to it a little bit. Uh, let's talk about the actual breweries for um, that can actually call themselves Trappist. What are the labels you're looking for? Yeah. Um, today, there are 11 official Trappist breweries allowed to call themselves Trappists. Six of those are in Belgium, are in Belgium, sorry. Uh, two in the Netherlands, one in Austria, one in the U.S., and one in Italy. Woo-woo. The Italy one just seems so random. Uh, oh, it's great, though. <laughs> I would say it is, and it's one of the hardest beers to find. Huh. Um, I am not going to say the... Uh, obvious other language ones anyways. uh i'm gonna so it, it, all it is is brasserie and brewery brewery oh, okay that's are those true. words yeah. yeah that's it i was like that looks uh awfully complicated okay um brasserie uh that's the how did you say that casey rochefort or something roqueford roqueford super wrong okay uh See, roqueford brewery I, I don't know how to i don't know how belgium puts their inflections yeah. So, no, I have no idea. Knowing knowing what I know of French, I would read that as uh, Brasserie de Roquefort. Uh, Ro- Rochefort. That's about right. And uh, Westmall actually um, uh, uses a V, I think, as their when you start it. Westmall. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's the problem with Belgium being French and German. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, Westmall Brewery. And then the... Uh, I'm going to say it's probably Vest Vletteren then too at the same time. So, no, it's West Vletteren and Vest Mall. That's it's the most confusing. <laughs> really, whatever. You Curse can't win. The Dutch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, fine. Uh, then there's Chimay, which we can say, and then uh, Orval. My neighbors are going, "What the f are they doing down there?" <laughs> He's screaming, "Curse the Dutch!" at the ceiling. Uh, Oxhill? Question mark. I have no idea on that one. Okay, I'm Go just going to guess it. there. Oxhill. 
Uh, nobody ever talks about it. It seems like to be the black sheep of, of because they can't breweries. pronounce it. That's why it's like really. Shokoveza. It's like we didn't talk about it for the longest time. It's like how the hell do you say that? <laughs> uh, then uh, yeah. La Trap, which yeah, um, La Trap was temporarily off the list oh. until like two thousand and five, maybe. Huh. I'm not sure uh, because uh, of who the the the. Trappist Association essentially said was allowed, like how many monks needed to be there to brew it. You know what we should have done is like asked Kent to <laughs> send us a video of him literally just saying these words. <laughs> that um, would have been funny. That would have been a little bit better off for us. Uh, Stift Engelzel? Yeah, that most of I'm these I could like, find something eh? that had like, oh, here's an easier way to say that. Yeah, I got nothing for that one. It's from the Netherlands. That one's just like. So in that case, Chris, you're right. Screw Curse Dutch. you, Dutch. <laughs> um, then we have Spencer Brewery, Zundert. Our U.S. brewery. Zundert. Yes, and I I found a stout from them that I was so pumped to get, and then wasn't able to get it, and I I I'm still gonna have to track it down. I mean. Come on, a Trappist stout. We all want that. Mm. Okay, an imperial the, stout at that. Too. The yeah. last one is the Trey Fontaine Abbey. Sorry. Uh, yes, Trey Fontaine deliciousness. Uh, Monte Cats. I'm gonna say yeah, cats, that... and I'm like, that's wrong. Obviously, <laughs> why not? Right. Uh, a um, be- that's a beer brewed in Chimay yeah. Brewery for marketing by Monte Cats Abbey. Uh, yes, yeah, this... Mon- hmm? Monte Cats sells it. Okay, mm-hmm. but Chimay actually brews it it's actually uh name checked in uh how to brew like a monk which which means that they are technically not a trappist if they just brewed it inside their own walls instead of inside of chamay's walls so chamay's trappist if they brewed if chamay's market if if chamay's if chamay marketed it or if monte cats brewed it then it would be considered a trappist beer right but as a result, since they don't do, you know, since they have this weird hybrid, doesn't count. Yeah, I added them in because at the very end there, because I thought that it, they are as close to a uh, traditional Trappist as you can get without being Trappist. It's, yes. it's, I swear it's like the craft beer thing, you know? Yeah. Well, they make this many barrels and now there's a percentage that we, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, they're okay. Yep. <laughs> very arbitrary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I learned a lot. This one. Seriously, any any kind of final thoughts about any of this? Or? I am pumped for the eventual episodes on these individual breweries slash monasteries. Mm. Those are going to be awesome. Well, I'm going to find it really funny when we try to drink to style on. Uh, is it Orvel where they make one? It literally, yeah. <laughs> We're all going to have to drink the same. We can drink different vintages. Well, well, and and we'll. I'm sure we'll have vastly different opinions about it too. So that'll be. Interesting. Uh, one of the the big things I think that we didn't really talk about, and uh, when in the brewing process, these are um, sticking a lot to the older brewing processes, which means that a lot of these beers are brewed with the idea that it's not straight yeast; it's a combination of wild yeasts and wild bacteria. So, whenever you brew a Trappist beer, it's not straight um, straight L yeast that you're brewing it with. There's a flora that goes on and so Hmm. these beers do change over time and they actually do start to take on some funk and some horse blanket and some 
um, some soury sometimes notes and, and kind of sort of those notes that you would associate with sour beers. And so um, even though I don't think these beers are really pasteurized in the bottle, um, some of them may be, I, I'm not too sure on that, but, um, or Vol for one, we talked about that. It changes over time. There's a few of these beers, Trey Fontaine, for sure, their stuff comes out crazy and and uh, almost like uh, Cantillon to some degree um, on some of their stuff. So uh, it's really neat to see how these beers change over time. And the beers that you get that are your standard um, standard quad, double, triple, um, those may may stick a little bit closer to style. But some of these other beers that are the Trappist specialty may change quite a bit. So I will say, as uh, someone who usually when he's shopping for uh, shopping for beer tends to stay near the uh, craft, American craft right. side of the thing, it's it's nice to go in and find old style, uh, like, you know, old styles like this, old breweries making this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and trying out some of the stuff from there. It, you know, imports aren't aren't bad either uh it's, just, it's literally just the 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 major the major beers that we make in america those are the ones that are bad <laughs> all right i think that's a really good transition for what we're drinking drink with me friend because a lot of what we you guys were just talking about really comes in that so it was the orval stuff they've been doing uh with sierra nevada uh that this past year they released like three or four different beers and all of them that I tried were just knocking it out of the park. They were amazing. I was like, I've not really had a whole lot of Trappist beers and it really like tonight. So we were drinking the La Trappe Double. We're just going to say double and bastardize this whole thing. Uh, From La Trappe. It's a 7% Belgian quad. No, double. Oh, double. Man, I want a t-shirt with Admiral Akbar. Say it's trap. La Trap. Yes. Yes. But yeah. We in, a, all in a monastery. In in robes. Yeah. yeah he's in, wearing in, in, monk's robes. Right he's setting. got the hood up. So you just see those weird. Let's commission this work right now. That's why is none uh, of someone us. Someone find Scott Johnson on. I say it'd be easy. He's already got the art. Just be like, look, just just put a robe on it. Put a robe this... on this. Uh, IBUs are twenty-two. Beer Advocate score three point nine three, which is criminally low. Criminally <laughs> low for this beer. <laughs> Uh, brewery's description, La Trappe Double, has a deep brown color. Yeah, it is. And attractive beige froth. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it does. The use of caramel malt gives it a gentle, aromatic, caramelized quality. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it has a rich, multi flavor with a touch of sweetness. Uh, post-fermenting, La Trappe Double is a smooth drink and yet has some real body and intense flavor. I loved it. It's... Mm. I mean, it was refreshing for the palate. I'm not like, oh, I'm ready for all this stuff. No, just to have something like that compared to everything else I've drank this year. No, it, it just it stands out from all the hoppiness and all the deep maltiness of everything that we have in American craft. Mm-hmm. It is It stands alone, and there's pretty much nothing like it. I will say the one thing that American craft beer does that it doesn't change up as much as other ingredients you see crazy amounts of hops and different hops and and different ingredients added in like vanilla and mm-hmm. and and you know put it in a barrel and all this american craft beer does not change the g strains much at all whenever you look at the entire world as a whole and a lot of that goes back to 
Um, if you're a commercial brewer, you don't want to infect your beers with the same mm-hmm. Belgian yeast strains that that are in one vat. You don't want the next vat over to pick up that strain and, and go off. So you use the same yeast throughout the entire brewery. All right. When, the, we make, when we make Delatter's Brewery, we're going to have different buildings for each vat. <laughs> at least different. Uh, we'll, we'll do different buildings and, and two different packaging lines, and uh, we'll make sure that we can do at least two different very flavorful um, yeasts in there. But if more, I, I feel like that's one of the areas that we really need to see some some changes in, in craft beer is with yeast. And, and I don't know if it's going to be a year down the road or two years down the road, or maybe it takes a whole technology change where we've got this new form of cleaning that, that absolutely deals with all the yeast inside the brewery altogether. And, and you don't have to worry about that stuff, but um, I would really like to see craft brewers going in more into, um, okay, we, we've made these big beers. Now let's do some beers that are very nuanced in their flavor. Yeah. Um, I I liked this beer. Um, she didn't like like this beer. No, I don't of... want to hear that. I look over there, I hear like a glass king, and she's like turning the bottle I up, trying to say something about trying that. to drain the last drops out <laughs> of it. It's because into her glass. when I lifted, I, I was confused because you got up to get a different like another beer when you were done, and I was like, oh, is there nothing left in this? And I look at it, and it it felt like this is a heavy bottle. <laughs> It felt like there was stuff still in it. And I was like, oh, well, I, I guess I'm just, I don't know. I'll, I'll pour the rest of it in mine because he's clearly moving on to something else. And then there was, like, nothing in it, really. It was just a heavy <laughs> bottle. But, um, I, no, I, I wasn't really trying to get that much more. Uh, it Okay, so before it got me very buzzed, uh, I wrote down the note of, it's like, so you know those Welch's fruit chews? Nope. The snack? <laughs> yes. Nope. Casey, you know, because we've had them at your, yes. your place before. Uh, yes. So that was the initial taste for me. Was Grape flavor? No, just like, like imagine that you could put four of the different fruit flavors in your mouth at once. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that, with like a weird aftertaste of diet ginger ale. Um, okay. And that's where I was at. But, you know, eventually, because this stuff kind of gets you wrecked a little bit, um, you know, the flavor got great after a while. Um, but just on the onset, that's what I tasted. 7% ABV. Yeah. Um, but big format bottle. So yeah. Yeah. Um, there. this one, uh, Latrap from what I was reading in their description sounds like they're not traditional with their, uh, their malts because mm-hmm. they do use caramel malt. It looks like, which is actually going to add sweetness to the end of the beer. Right. And the traditional way is going to be a little bit drier. And that, that additional caramel malt will actually keep it sweeter. So does it taste sweet at all or have a sweeter flavor? Or... Yeah, no, that, that's, it's, it's so strange. Okay. Because it, the, so the, with the Welch's fruit snack thing, it's, gotcha. it's that level of, it's not um, like brush your teeth sweet. But mm-hmm. there's just like that um, odd fruit character. And then just like... Oh, it's it's there's a like a light sweetness to it, like um, I can't think of anything else to compare it to. Almost. Well, it doesn't have it actually didn't have like a tremendous artificial taste to it. Um, it was just like a, a light, sweet, fruity flavor, and that's it. Like Most, a, not that, sweet compared to like something like a like a, a cider or something like that. 
and that may go back again to um, the style of brewing that they're using um a little bit more traditional possibly mm. and the style of yeast that they're using so that yeast is going to react to higher temperatures and put off some weird alcohol flavors that you wouldn't get with normal u.s yeasts or american yeasts mm. and so as you let temperatures increase just a little bit those yeasts are going to be very expressive and throw off some fruity flavors uh, with their alcohols it'll be a fruity alcohol flavor um, also known as an ESTER, um, and uh, with those those flavors, you'll you'll start to pick those up um, as almost an artificial sweetener because those artificial sweeteners are mostly sugar alcohols, and so you'll get sort of that sort of flavor in with some of that. All right. Uh, well, I've been drinking uh, something you may have heard. If you listen to the Ritual Misery podcast, uh, <laughs> oh, I grabbed a couple uh, bottles so I could have one for the episode. But I got the uh, Rockford. Is that how we're saying it, Casey? Rochefort. 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 The Rochefort. Uh, the Trappist Rochefort Ten from Brasier de Rochefort. Uh, it is a quad coming in at eleven point three. ABV. Good lord. Uh, with an IBU of, I don't know, like some... A hop was in uh, there. I mean, come on. Somewhere, I guess. Uh, beer advocate score po- uh, 4.5 out of 5. That's crazy. Uh, and the only brewery description I could find would have been in French. <laughs> nice. So, uh, I'm not going to give one. Uh, I'm basically just going to say this is absolutely delicious um oh pardon um i will preface i had started uh this episode with imperial stouts and then the first sip of this thing was an explosion of fruit flavors just not like that 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 tangy i've got syrup in the back of my throat fruit punch exactly but, but just just that that nice fruity I don't know. Dark there cherries. May, yeah, there may be some kind of word for this, but I don't know what it is. That's where that's um, where I was getting that Welch's fruit juice thing, which I, I guess if you haven't had them, then you're like, I still don't know what you're talking about. But it, it's like a there's a, a very subtle fruit, very and a very subtle sweetness, and then other stuff. But like that, it's, combined, it's, combined yeah. with the ABV and some of the, the fruitier notes, go with me on this. It almost. Not in a medicinal way, but it almost tastes like Dimatap in the way that I looked forward to it more than any other medicine <laughs> as a child. Wow. Yes. Okay. Um, it it, but it, it's got so much going on, and it's even got like that that clovish tum tongue numbingness. <laughs> Clearly, yeah, a lot of it. Clearly, really. it's numb. Uh, that uh that I expect from um, uh, what's some of those other styles that tend to have that. I feel like there's some, some German styles that tend to have more of that. Um, well, you're, all your Belgian styles, no matter if yeah, they're, they're this okay. or um, something else. Hmm. So there, there's just so much going on with it that like I could spend a large amount of time dissecting it, but I feel like we've gone on long enough because I feel like we're coming up close to two hours. So a little bit. 
Casey, uh, Casey, what are you having? Um, I'm having a low carb US one bourbon from <laughs> Michter's. Like the bourbon is just um, like, see. yeah, it's part of my low carb diet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you can have all the whiskey, gin, um, tequila, uh, basically anything that's super dry off those. Um, you can have all that you want. So um, I went with the uh, Michter's US one bourbon um, comes in at, what is it? About 40, 45, 46% alcohol. Huh. Um, this, this, whenever I first tried it, was one of the closest um, closest bourbons that was readily available that I could find that had the same amount of spiciness that I could find in a really old-aged um, uh, pappy, like a 15-year mm. pappy. And so it's like, to me, it's a poor man's pappy um, on, on some of the same pl- flavor profiles and the way it kind of just... Um, spreads all the way through your mouth, just those those flavors uh, with the spice and and the amount of heat and um, even some of the the you know Van Winkle brands tend to be a little bit smoother than this, but um, it's definitely a a good run of the mill sub fifty dollar bottle of of bourbon. Hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Which we I mean we talked about that before on the uh, mm-hmm. not not only the bourbon episode, but. I feel like we've talked about majors a lot, actually, because we I think we when we referenced uh, we drink it a lot. the modern rogue thing, and then um, yep, yeah. So well, and mixers is I don't know they kind of just blew up on the scene about two years ago. I I, I don't know where they were before. Hmm. They're made in Kentucky. They're made by um, like all true proper bourbons. <laughs> exactly. Um, they're made by one of the bigs. Um, who is it that makes Mictors? Biggie Smalls, the notorious B.I. Whiskey. <laughs> Biggie Smalls. I just told them I was like born in the 1930s. Um, from Louisville area. So they're, I can't remember who it is that makes these guys. But they are, I think they're made in one of the large uh, facilities out there. Hmm. Um, but they are a, uh, just a really good, um, I don't know, really good whiskey. I'm a fan, and they're 25. That's the other thing. Their 25 year old is is highly sought after, and <laughs> you're going to be hard pressed to find a 25 year old that's not hard that's not sought after. Yeah. yeah, and and one of those brewery beers that actually come out and uh, sells for you know maybe I don't know what it is. I've never seen it on the shelf to know what the price is. <laughs> maybe it's 1,200 bucks a bottle. We saw maybe a guy it's... getting in line a day early to yeah. buy it. So you can sell it for seven grand a bottle in yeah, the aftermarket. Because you're a monster. <laughs> All right. So enough fun, enough uh, enough games, enough monks, and <laughs> let's head on out. You can subscribe and get some great resources at haveadrinkshow.com. Follow us at Have a Drink Show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. And please rate the show on iTunes and YouTube to help spread the word. And don't forget, you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. We're we're listening. We'd love to hear from Janine again. And so is Uncle Sam. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was going with Fraser Crane, so... 
All joking fun aside, guys, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Yeah, do me a favor. Let's uh, let's stop drinking and driving so I don't have to see those terrible holiday like road signs. The electric ones, and they're like saying, turkey says gobble, gobble, don't drive, or whatever, or buckle, buckle. And I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> Let's just do me What a favor. are you even talking about? The big road, like above the freeway, the big signs, and it'll, it'll say, turkey says buckle, buckle. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, Jesus Christ. I have not seen this. I had to see them three or four times on my way to and from work. Maybe so, it's just our area that's punished. So let's all not be Maybe. assholes and not drink and drive. Come on, guys. Do me a favor. All right. Uh, so check us out uh, for our next live video episode in uh, another week and another couple of weeks for the next audio episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm out of burps, and I'm Justin Frazier. <laughs> I'm Christopher Walker. Et ego Casey. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Bye.